0: From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance, Performance
1: enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell.
0: Oh, yeah, the greatest rockabilly jam band theme song in the history of Mixed Martial Arts Podcast hitting you in the teeth hole. It is the State of Combat Podcast. It's your boy, B.C., I am so happy to have the damn lights turned back on. My Connecticut suburbanite, suburbanite, excuse me, glorious uh, life was upended by that hurricane, tornado, wind gust. We got four and a half days without power, but your boy BC powered through. Now we're back. We're illuminated. We're ready. And we got one of the most loaded shows to offer you this side of the SOC MMA show. Uh, We're going to look back at a big weekend. Michael Chandler's statement at Bellator 243. Big heavyweight win for the Black Beast. And a preview of, really, seriously, a pay-per-view main event that, that might be the most prestigious fight in UFC history. As Rashad would say, D.C. Stipe a coming at you this weekend on pay-per-view. We're going to hit all that angles, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is your boy, BC. But you know, I've got another man with me, a Hall of Famer, an earthquake survivor. <laughs>
1: That's me bringing that heat. That's me bringing that heat. He's brought
0: the heat. You know, it's in the bed sheets, in the cage, wherever you put him, he's gonna deliver. It's Sugar Rashad Evans, my man. I'm fired up. Are you feeling what I'm feeling?
1: BC, I am feeling what you're feeling, and a little bit more because I'm feeling your energy. So I'm ready to get it going. I'm ready. Yes,
0: yes my energy's hot, heavy. And I don't last <laughs> for seven seconds. It's fan friggin' tastic. All right, thank you. Uh, Rashad, um, you passed on to me. The tropical storm. Whoa, 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 Rashad. We almost had a. We almost needed some CPR there. We're calling uh, Tyrone Spong here to, 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 to. You're okay. We good. We good.
1: Yeah, we good. I just uh, drank my coffee and it went down the wrong windpipe. There. That's what I'm talking about. You piped. I call that piping. I pipe. I pipe. I pipe. I pipe. I'm piping.
0: You know, I got piped, you know. Um, so here's the deal, Rashad. Uh, us in Connecticut, we didn't even know this crap was coming. And then suddenly trees are falling left and right. I saw a truck with two trees go through the cab. I walked around my neighborhood. It looked like Armageddon, World War
1: III. What, you, what, what, what? Florida's not good enough for devastation anymore? Hey, BC, listen, I, I, I know you're not feeling what happened. But listen, this is why I'm feeling it. Because it missed Florida. And the whole time I was away... Last week, I was hearing about this hurricane and me being away from home. That's always hard when you hear there's a hurricane coming. You want to make sure you get everything ready. But I was happy to know that it was only just a tropical rainstorm. And then it went up north. I didn't know it went up to where your part is. But, man, how was that hurricane experience? Because I really haven't. Uh, experience anything like that living in florida it it didn't feel like the storm was that bad or the winds were that out of
0: control but the damage it produced i had a giant tree in my side yard that went down and and just missed uh my neighbor by the way he was he's been working all summer on building a deck by hand he redid his whole deck and the tree fell just no like it almost took out all his hard work
1: oh my gosh Check would
0: have made up for the uh, the into in, uh, ingenuity that he put in, but everybody's safe. Everybody's good. Yes, I'll give you some first world complaints. I did have a generator, but I, not strong enough to run an AC on it. So uh, th- it was we were we were sweating some balls up in the Campbell house.
1: For how, for how many days were you sweating? Four and a half days of swamp ass. But we back baby, okay, oh, we back we back with a
0: bang. So we're we're cooling off. We're good now. We are ready to go. Uh big week, man. When you hear two five two coming at you in less than a few days what is your uh emotional level right now
1: man it's pretty high I'm I'm feeling uh feeling excited and and I just don't know where to go with this main event pick man I've been on both sides uh through my my contemplative thoughts so I don't know where I'm going to end off by time fight time ends I'm gonna be honest I don't know
0: Neither are, do the oddsmakers who have both uh, <laughs> right now at, you know, minus 110, minus 105, minus 115. It's changing, but they're both essentially the favorite. Even money here, more or less. Can't wait for that fight. Rashad, a little tease for the folks we'll have a bonus episode this week. Big-time interviews ahead of this card. Marlon Chitovera, one of my favorite fighters, is going to drop by and drop the F-bomb about 17 times. And also, DC himself, Daniel Cormier. And one of the more – and look, DC's really – let's be honest, one of the best interviews in the game. And even for DC standards, this was introspective. It was real, a lot of legacy talk, because that's a guy, Rashad, and I respect all fighters, but I also respect the fact that most fighters don't care about legacies and goats and stuff like that. They're like, you know, show me the money. Uh, DC's a guy who cares. He cares about what's at stake against Stipe for the third time. So being able to challenge a man like that, and get the honest, raw answers. You're going to want to stick around for that. Rashad, you almost fought DC that one time, right? When, I when
1: did. You did that? I did. And that was, that was uh, the, the time I hurt my knee the first time. That was uh, after the jail fight. I was hot back in camp and uh, feeling great. The best shape of my life. I was gonna whoop DC. DC, you hear that? <laughs> I don't know if that, that works. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack. But my dick works. Whoa, 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 my whoa. dick
0: works. Well, he went from zero to hard on right there. That was interesting. <laughs> uh, Richard, you bought you beat Chael just for perspective here. Uh the last victory of your career, November twenty thirteen. Yeah. We all know you look like a million bucks that night. Uh and where was where was uh good old DC at that? Point?
1: DC was uh just making his uh two debut. Ooh, against that barista, Patrick Cummings. Yes, wow, you. But co- but that was my fight, the Patrick Cummings fight. That was me. It was supposed to be me fighting DC.
0: Uh, I don't. You know who would have won that?
1: Because you were, if you hadn't gotten hurt there, you were revived. You were
0: re-energized. I was. I was re-energized. I was ready. I was ready. That Colin Fools. He was. He was making Dan Hendo look like you know. Look like Hector Lombard. I mean, he was throwing people around, you know? I
1: know, I know. He, 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 he would have been a good fight back then. It would have been a good fight.
0: Been great. All right. Uh, I did want to hit you up with this piece of business. I've mentioned in the past, Rashad, that, you know, maybe not the best video game dad. I've walked out on some games, you know what I mean? I've maybe not represented myself to my 12-year-old students the best I can. When, they're, when we're playing an NBA game and it's hot and heavy and they ain't playing real-style basketball, right, when their center's bringing up the ball and shooting half-court threes, dude, I'm like, that's it. I'm out of this game, all right? It's not real. I want the real stuff. So I ordered UFC 3 because I'm always behind, right? Like, I just got them an Xbox. We got UFC 3. We fight in one of my sons. He always wants to see CM Punk or Dana. White. I go, no, I want a real fight. I want a real fight right now. He's like, let's do knockout only. I'm like, no, I want the ground game. I want the real fight. So last night I go, it's up to you. Who are you picking? He picks light heavyweight version of Michael Bisping. So when did UFC three come out? Like, like uh, four years, three, four years ago, maybe. Yeah. And I go, all right, you want to go at two o five here? I got the guy for you. Let me get my boy, Sugar Rashad evans boom. all right boom I go, this is my podcast man right here he goes boom. he goes is he good i go hall of famer champion okay okay he goes what about when they made this game dad i go we're not talking we're not here to talk about sam alvey all right we're not here to talk <laughs> about daniel Kelly. <laughs> so and he's doing the the lamest lay and pray john fitch bs on me for some reason I could I could dominate him on the ground, but I couldn't stop them takedowns. And he's just taking me down with Bisping and then getting back up. Taking me down and getting back up. Rinse and repeat. And every time we go to strike, he'll throw a head kick and then go for the takedown. That's it right there. So I finally had enough of this BS. I'm like, fight me. Fight me already, all right, Rashad? And you know what I did? I channeled my George Masvidal. I waited for him to come in, and I gave him one of those – Anderson Silva to Vitor Belfort front
1: kicks as he was shooting in KO right there. Sugar Rashad back, baby. I'm back. And, and BC, that's all I needed to hear to make me really want to come back. Because BC, I feel it. I'm feeling that, man. I'm feeling that. I dropped the controller. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that. But well, yeah. listen, yeah. What do you got? Michael Bisbee cannot wrestle me, though. That, that, that's a glitch that needs to be fixed in the game. I don't know. Want realistic stuff. I don't want this video game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> video game. It's not real. No, no. It. You know when it was real when Mike didn't tuck his chin. That's when it got real. It's not open for debate. Uh-oh. The chin has to be tucked. And it wasn't. Okay, thank you, Rashad. Did, did you get down like that playing with yourself in the video in the video game? Did have you have you gone through that?
1: I, I did a little bit. I did a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not much of a video gamer, man. I used I used to have the attention for, it. but every single time I sit down and play a video game, I get so into it. And then by the end of the day, I'm just like, dude, I could have did so much more things. Uh,
0: well, that's real. They do. They, <laughs> you tend to, to try to suck your life away and make you come back for more. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that's played like those NCAA college football games back in the day and gave like a month of their life to, you know, running their team and their program. Yeah, it's tough. But uh, it's tough. that's the fake stuff. We're going to get into the real stuff, Rashad. A lot of stuff to review, preview coming at you. Right after this quick break from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. And we're back. Rashad Evans, BC, coming back at you. Rashad, it was a busy weekend in the fight game. We had a UFC fight night card going on in Vegas inside the Apex. And let's talk about this heavyweight tilt and the main event, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, keeping that win streak alive with a second round TKO over Alexi Olenek. We didn't see any Python, Anaconda, snake jokes. You know what we saw? A healthy Derek Lewis and Rashad, when you get a black beast and you make them healthy, we don't use words anymore like lazy, like out of shape, like any of these things. Like, this was not the same guy who edged out Alir Latifi in his last fight and got, ra- you know, dra- wrestled and dragged around. This was a guy who got up when he was taken down who really showed me a lot of craft and delivered the boom when it mattered. How important at this point, in Derek Lewis's run was a win like this?
1: I think that was probably one of his biggest wins of his career, mainly because of what he overcame on the ground. Derek Lewis has always been one of those athletes who you can count on to have dynamite on his feet and just creative strikes when it comes to just different things you don't expect. But when it comes to anything in a grappling exchange or getting down – uh, getting up and all of that thing. He always lacked in that. And you can always count on him. Whenever he had a fighter who can put him in those situations, he would come out on the short side. And looking at this fight in the beginning, I was looking at um, uh, Olenek being able to to weather the early storm and being able to get um, uh, the Black Beast where he wanted to, Derek Lewis, on the ground and, and do what he does. And, and he's so clutch on the ground. I just knew it was definite once he got him on the ground it was a wrap. But Derek Lewis showed some improvements that I didn't really expect from Derek at the time because y- y- the way he comes across, you don't think that he's that into wanting to be the best. You know what I'm saying? Like, like He, he kind of comes off like this is just something that he's doing. But what I've seen on Saturday, I've seen a guy who has you know, held his own feet to the fire and made sure that he made the improvements that he needs to make to get himself to where he believes that he can be and where he potentially can be. And now we're looking at an athlete in heavyweight division who's now looking like he could be a true contender because that one glaring hole, which was his ability to get up with a guy that's with a heavy grappling base is now looking like he, he may have resolved the issue. So yeah. Black Beast- It always came down to being in shape yeah. and wanting it. And
0: I do acknowledge that the back injuries he'd faced before, Look, that's got to be a crippling effect. But Rashad, he wanted it this time, and you can tell. So at 35, now three wins in a row, it feels like he's saying to himself, I've been to the mountaintop before, and it ended badly, but I think i got one more run left in me. And I love to see that because, Rashad, we've seen many a fighter do this. You have periods in your career where you're all in, and then you have periods of your career where you're coasting, and you kind of allow yourself to be sort of a journeyman, right? You win some, you lose some, but you're employed, all good, keep rolling. I mean, Roy, Roy Nelson's still lingering right now. That big belly's still lingering, okay? He's not ready to be that, which was good to see. So the question is, Rashad, how many wins could he potentially be from getting back into that title, that legit title shot? And B, did he show you enough to say that he he's a player against any other heavyweight in the world?
1: Yeah, he definitely showed me enough to show that he's a player. And I think he's maybe one or two wins from exciting wins of getting – that call to step into the octagon again, I mean, for, for the title fight again. You know, one thing that I like about Derek Lewis and what he did in this fight after the fight was, he wasn't content with that win. You know, he was like, look, I need to get back into the gym and get in better shape. We so the to- I'm not taking a fight, what's okay. that?
0: Yeah, he, he talked about needing to take a shit first. Then- yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, after after he after he said you need to take a shit. He, he then went on and said uh he's not taking another fight until he handles that that conditioning issue and just and, and that and that shows right there that he's he's willing to take everything apart in his game and slowly start to reconstruct reconstruct it in the position where he knows that he can feel the most confident. And that's the conditioning. When you when you want to get yourself in a great conditioning, that means every single aspect and every single facet of the game, you have to get in better conditioning. And you have to work extreme, uh, extremely hard at all those things. So he's showing that he's ready to make that change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he still gave us the great sound bites that we know and love for him. your This time his ass was hot, so to speak. But Rashad, how about that ground and pound? Like – that was some like inspired old school like fedor like power speed. I'm coming for your soul, grounded pound. You know what I mean? Like like Brock on Frank Mir in the rematch type level G and P stuff. Like I was impressed by that. That was some nasty stuff,
1: right? It was nasty. You can hear the the the, the thud on his head, but you can feel you can feel the sound as his punches hit Olinik and then shook the canvas. Man, it was uh, it was pretty intense, man. It was pretty intense and. And, uh, you know, the, the black he knew when to pour it on. He knew exactly when to pour it on. And that just goes to show where he's been working his game at. You know, he knows that he gets in those positions where he's on top and in, in heavy position. So he's making the most out of it, man. Shout out to Derek Lewis, man. Good fight.
0: Be next. I could see him against the Curtis Blades. I know Dan is not loving Curtis at the moment. You know, that'd be an interesting matchup. Obviously, Blades would have the wrestling advantage. But if, if Black Beast can get up and they can make it more of a striking match, that's boxer against slugger right there that's interesting and then look i know we already lost to jds but if
1: jair rosenstruck wins this wins this weekend uh, some good fights to be made rashad a know? lot of good fights to be made and one thing i'm really impressed with the black beast is, is the fact that he's a big dude but he can do some pretty acrobatic stuff that you just wouldn't expect a dude to do you know and and he capitalizes off a lot of that you know that big jump knee that he caught started off the second round with that was a surprise to me. I didn't even know he had that kind of energy coming out of just being, uh, you know, being held down like that in the second round. I mean, the first round.
0: And the co-main event on Saturday it was middleweights, and uh, he's back. Rashad, he's back. The question is uh, – yeah, trust me, he's back. The question is how, how much is Chris Weidman back? I'm back, baby. I'm back. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, you're a real man, We got this. Uh, unanimous decision went over Omari Akhmedov. I loved, Rashad, that Chris came out here with gen- uh, genuine questions about his chin punch resistance. Is he still at this level? I know his heart He was. He was saying the right things. He only lost to the very elite. But, you know, Chuck Liddell was saying the, the right things, too, when he just couldn't take this level of, of striking anymore. Me? I'm going to tell you right now, I was very impressed. He out-wrestled the wrestler of Akhmedov, who was red hot, who's in his prime, who's got that vaunted sort of Russian, you know, uh, feeling coming at you where he's just going to wrestle and grind you out. And I thought Weidman showed me a little bit more wrinkles, like he's actually trying to evolve in his mid-30s late in his career rather than just survive. Now, it's tough to say that when he fought a style – that was heavy on survival, but I don't think he was hanging on to survive. I think he figured out the skill advantage he had with the speed and the wrestling went to the well with that. And in the third round, you could have given him a 8. He tried to finish that. He tried to go for it. Just couldn't get there. I see people split. Some people say, look, you know, okay. Decent win, boring win. He don't still have it. I'm not saying he's the same Chris Weidman that took down Andy Silva twice. But I'm saying he put the train back on the tracks in a way that he needed to. Rashad, your thoughts?
1: I agree. He definitely put the train back on the tracks the way that he needed to. Um, with that fight with Chris, you know, I felt that uh, he, he answered the question that he needed to, that he had for himself, you know. And, and for me, uh, he answered the biggest question most of all is, is, can he mentally be able to gear himself up to, to fight down in competition but then still fight up enough to win the fight. And, and that's exactly what he did. You know, he, he went on a, uh, a very hard losing streak to the most elite guys in both the light heavyweight and the middleweight division. And what that does to your morality and just your ability to think that you can compete at the level is it destroys it. And you, I watched him as time went on throughout the fight just get more and more confidence. And I was really happy to see when he stood up just how loose he was and you can see the effects that he's been training with wonder boy and some things like that. There are some things in his game that I think he can be stronger at, but I think it was all about him just feeling more comfortable. You know, him feeling more comfortable was, was, was was a thing that I was really champion a champion for and just um, really happy to see that he was able to get back to his, his fighting style, being able to, you know, throw some punches, get the guy to throw some punches and then shoot under for the shot. So he, he's, he's back, but there's definitely some ground that he needs to gain. Uh, I feel like he was a bit weak, weaker than, than he was before. You know, I feel like there's some size that he needs to put on. And I think just being at that weight class, getting, getting consistent and being at 185 consistently will get that size back and get his strength back.
0: Yeah, but he was in the he was in great shape at the very least. You know the motor, yeah. his body looked great. Uh, this is the right uh, weight class for him. And look, you know they mentioned on the broadcast he wants to move to South Carolina. He was training with his brother-in-law, Wonder Boy Thompson, and I think you saw at least the attempts at trying to be a little bit different. I mean, the, what always made Chris Weidman great, Rashad, was. I mean, he was very vanilla in his offering. He was just really good. It was a, it was a really tasty version of vanilla. It was a championship level vanilla, right? He's going to come at you, set up punches, take you down, be more athletic, be quick. He's sort of like a video game guy who's well rounded in every single category up to the certain level. And I saw him at least trying to mix it up. I've seen more head kicks attempts in this fight than before. And um, you know, I don't. He's not going to win another title, you know. But. He's also – I'm not going to be running him out of the sport. So he's kind of where he needs to be in his late 30s with a name and still a tough enough out where you can either match him up. I mean, look, Luke Rockhold just told Ariel he wants to come back. I've been waiting for that rematch. i got the poster somewhere in my office over my shoulder of the fight that didn't happen at 199. Give me that if you want to do two old names or give him against a you know, legitimate contender and let's see where he's at. But we ain't, we ain't trying to get rid of him now. So that's key, all right? And, and if you're wondering uh, what Chris still is to us
1: – I- Everybody, thank you. And this is still my boy. Thank
0: you. Thank you. You absolute weirdo, Mr. Weidman. All right. Your boy's got to take a <laughs> the title. But let me commandeer the microphone and yell at it. All right. Great. Uh, Rashad, anything else from this card over the weekend? Grab you. I mean, we saw, you know, the spinning. I
1: mean, can, back, we, you know, can we talk about Benil Darush real there quick? There we talk about Benil? Spinning back fist. Benil. Jeez, Benil. <laughs> it was oh, just God. amazing.
0: He's rising. He's right. He is,
1: man. That's five in a row. And just the way that he's been able to do it, you know, I I remember seeing, like, the dip that he had, and he just wasn't having that consistency. And then he just came out of that consistency just hot, the inconsistency just hot as ever. And um, you see the gains that he's made. It's just not about grappling with this guy. You know, he's fine. figuring it out on his feet. And um, he's just so unassuming, because physically speaking, you look at the guy, he, he's not, you know, he, he's not built up or nothing like that. And there's nothing on a physical level that will, that will make you feel like, man, this guy is different than everybody else. But when he goes out there and he competes, he puts together better than anybody else. I mean, he puts it together really well, man, and he's getting more confident in, in that space. So there's a real contender with Benio because he's got the eyes and the vision and he's got the power to boot.
0: Yeah, and he's got the, the ground game as well. And, you know, it wasn't just that highlight reel spinning back fist. He set that up against Scott Holtzman with, like, nine or ten direct power strikes. Like, Holtzman was showing a hella chin, but he broke him down Big win there. Uh, I also want to shout out Kevin Holland, who lost his opponent last week when Trevor Drowse passed out, and he came back against Joaquin Buckley and gives a highlight real third-round middleweight KO. So big win there. And, uh, Rashad, real quick note, did you see that featherweight Gavin Tucker? He was put into a choke attempt by Justin James early on that undercard, and he escaped it by losing his shorts. I've never seen that. <laughs> Would I prefer that? Maybe in the women's strawweight division, you can do the math on that. That was very interesting. You ever see that
1: before? Never seen that before. Never seen that before. It was quite something to see, man. It was interesting, to say the least.
0: All right. Well, you know what we also got was a loaded card Friday night, Bellator 243, inside that Mohegan Sun bubble. We talked coming in, Rashad, Michael Chandler, rematch with Benson Henderson. But the story was that it's free agency time. The last fight of his deal, Chandler, the former three-time lightweight champ, wanted to go out with a bang. Good God, did he do that. Two minutes, nine seconds, switch stances, left cross. It's a knockout. Uh, At age 34, could it have ended? any better for Chandler to enter free agency at the most important point of his career with a fight like this against a guy who just doesn't get finished like this.
1: That was, that was storybook finish for him. I mean, you couldn't have wrote it better than written it better than that. It was just absolutely amazing execution and, and not for nothing, you know, he overcame a lot in that fight and short as it was because early out, Benson was giving him everything that he can handle. You know, earlier I was thinking, uh, you know, You know Chandler looks a little bit big. He looked a little bit swollen to me, and because he looked a little bit swollen, a little bit bigger than he did normally, uh, it looked like he was kind of slow for a little bit, and Benson was was catching him with with pretty much uh, anything he wanted to, and then once uh, Chandler got into position, seeing everything, he was just so precise, and and, um, it's just so amazing to see Chandler just land that precise shot, because a lot. You can get frustrated in a fight where a guy is getting out on you early out and you're just like, man, I can't find my shot. And just to be standing there patient and to know you're going to find it was a uh, true mastery by Chandler.
0: So the big question, Rashad, is uh, – well, I'll answer one of the questions. One of the questions is, is it, like, a little too late? Would you have loved to see Chandler enter the free agency market a little bit younger? I'm going to say no to that, Rashad. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. 34 isn't, you know – spring chicken, but I think he's figured out the cross-section of of what makes him great. The mental has caught up with the physical. He's a durable guy. Yeah, he's a vulnerable guy because he takes chances, but I feel like he is in, it's going to be a short window to face the very elite, should he, let's say, sign with the UFC, but I feel like he's in the better spot now to have done that than maybe four years ago, six years ago, or, or whatever. I mean, you saw the brilliance of switching stances, staying poised, what he gave you in that performance against Henderson. Everyone's going to come calling now. He's going to field the offers. A lot of us, I think rightfully so, want to see a guy who's maybe on the short list of one of the greatest fighters to never step foot into the octagon, get that chance to find out how great he could be. Rashad, you could play Chandler roulette bingo and pick out 10 different lightweights in UFC you'd want to see him against where it would be a, a fight of the night contender. What directions he's going to go here? What do you see coming? you think Bellator is going to give him the money to make this a moot call? Do you think Dana and company would give him enough money to make it worth it? What would you do if you're Michael Chandler?
1: That's interesting. Um, I think that the time that he decided to, to leave and become free agent right now it is good for a competitive level, you know, as far as where he's at as a competitor. But as far as time, I'm not sure if 34 is, is the right time because, you know, he, he's, he's, he's 34 and he's leaving, going to a new organization potentially. And, and he's probably making somewhere around like three to $400,000 with, with Bellator. So then now the UFC is going to have to match the, or, or probably they're going to have to beat that in order to get him away from Bellator. Now the question is, do the UFC want to pay that ticket for a Michael Chandler who's 34 years old and on, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's just like, that, that's, that's the thing that makes me think. Do they want to pay that ticket, the price for him at 34 years old when they already have so much talent in, in the division that Chandler's gonna compete in? But at the same time, Chandler is one of those athletes if he can pick up in the same uh, with the same stride, that could that could definitely, you know, be a, a blockbuster athlete that you can make a lot of money yeah, off God. of. So
0: Should the window is small, meaning I think Rashad, he may only have, you know, two years left of like can't right. go in there against an elite and you could say he's got a shot to win it, right? I mean look, he's taken a lot of damage in his career, he's bounced back from a lot of it, but you also gotta take your swing. I don't know if he's gonna be comfortable retiring one day and not finding out if he was on that level. Now maybe yeah. Bellator gives him the type of money where that doesn't matter. And he says, look, my legacy is tied to having been the face of Bellator and going back in there against uh, Patric- Patricio Pitbull and trying to knock him out and win back my title and maybe do it a third time. Uh, maybe that's the route he goes. Maybe that leads to an old guy Eddie Alvarez trilogy. There's a lot of possibilities there. But there, there, that answer the question of were you of that ilk? You know what I'm saying? You yeah. That as a man.
1: I know, I know, and and that's and that's the thing. Like, I think there's a part of him that can definitely sit down and be content with the fact that he was the face of Bellator, and and you know he he had that reign of greatness in Bellator. Because like when when he goes to the UFC, think about what they've done to all the other Bellator people who came to the UFC. You got Eddie Alvarez; he was welcomed with Cowboy Cerrone, very tough welcoming. You got Will Brooks, who came, and he had a very very tough welcoming. So he is out of the UFC, so they're, they're, they're not going to give him any easy layups coming in. You know what I'm saying? So if, if he's coming into this division, if he's coming into the UFC, then he's better, he's better be ready to just do the work and, 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 you know, meet the top of the top because that's what they're going to give him when he comes in, right. especially if, if they're going to meet him with, like, a, a big purse.
0: I mean, look, the, you know, at, at worst – He's probably getting Paul Felder or, or Kevin Lee, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like the, he he would be. I don't think they'd give him the. Oh, hey, go knock out Cowboy Cerrone and look good. I mean, they're gonna want to find out if he's of that ilk too. And your point on the money is key. I mean, are they gonna pay him Alistair Overy money, which is like you know four or five hundred thousand every fight with no upside just because of the name, just because of the history? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But uh, how high could he go is the real question. In the right, year. okay. Let's say he did it. Let's say they gave him. I mean, look, they gave Eddie Alvarez a tough ass out in 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 that version of Cowboy, and he lost a tough fight. He did surprise us and come back and win the damn title. So Mm -hmm. anything is possible here. But we are in a historic uh, level of uh, in terms of the depth of this UFC lightweight division. I guess what I'm asking is, what do you think his ceiling is? You know, I wouldn't favor him over a Habib, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje. Uh, I'd love to see him against connor. I'd love to see him against all the you know Charles Oliver. You could name the names that you want to see uh but what's the top level from what you can glean from his talent of who he could actually be
1: i think he's he's right up there, and I say that because he has the power that 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 is just game changing at any given fight. he can end it with just the one shot, but then not only that he has the power and then he has a vision to see and then he has a wrestling ability on top of that. And he's built like a tank, so I I can definitely see him competing in there with the top of the top. Because with a guy like that, that has that much power and that much speed and that much clear vision, he's going to catch somebody.
0: Yeah, I mean, him against Connor would be just stylistically, (sighs) it would be insane. I mean, there and there's so many of those matchups. I mean, no, Al would be. I mean, all of them, they'd all be interesting. They'd all be incredible. (laughs) Uh, Give it to me, you know. But wherever he goes, look. If he stays with Coker and company, like I mentioned, there's some big fights to make. So he's going to be, he's in the, I love the man. I'm going to say that. As far as the interviewing guys go, you interview Michael Chandler, like you can just tell it's a real dude. His wife, do they just adopted? You know, they've adopted children. Like he's a real guy who's been through stuff. Bounce back is all about the things that, that truly matter in terms of competition. Right. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not about the money. It's about just getting better. And, and I've talked to him at length, Rashad, about, he's bounced back from, from some pretty devastating losses from, I mean, back to back losses to Will Brooks. I mean, he's really come back from some stuff yet. He says it was the sport of wrestling that taught him how to lose and be a man. And, uh, and you know, it, it taught you a few things
1: too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, with, with Chandler, he's such a, uh, a professional, very, very professional. And he, he makes sure that when it comes to training, there's no stone unturned you know he does every single thing like even just watching him in the gym he shows up early make sure he does his warm-up really really well very methodical and he's not in a rush you know even after training he's usually like one of the last guys to leave because he does a cool down stretch out and all those proper things that you should do in order to take care of your body for the long haul and you see that paying off right now because it looks as if like he's getting better and better physically speaking, every single fight. So I, I definitely think he has some legs in the UFC if he does go there.
0: And I respect that he called uh, all the all the lightweights in the world. He said, "You're on the clock. You're on notice." But then he said, "Hey, look, Scott Coker, let's get a deal done." So you know he's he's willing to be the company guy if they're going to make him that company guy. But he's also like, you know, I'm coming.
1: You gotta win your fight because I'm coming right
0: Whoa, whoa. Altro, Altro, please.
1: <laughs> like, you... It's a family show
0: here, please. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes.
1: You were going to say, Rashad? No, I, I was going to say, um, you know, he, the, the whole thing with Scott Coker, you know, those guys did him right in Bellator, you know. And, and I honestly believe that they, they should try to hold on to a Michael Chandler because you have to make your stand around a fighter. You have to make your stand around one thing to be like, okay, we got this guy and we got to get behind him. I, when I watch the the um, the Bellator program versus the UFC, it just feels like they're just missing some things. Just, just, and, and it's just the littlest things, like there's a lot of like uh, downtime where it's just kind of like a bunch of meaningless bumps that don't really tell the story of what we're watching, you know what I'm saying? And I think if they just have a little bit more cohesion in and, and what we're watching and, and then their B-roll that they're putting on top of it, it'll bring a much better show, you know, all, all together. But I'm not here to criticize the show. I'm here to talk about Michael Chandler. <laughs> hey, I, I like the analysis. You
0: you bring it. In, and that's that's respectable breakdown right there from you. But uh, as you've said before, this is what UFC's matchmakers would tell Chandler if he did walk in that door. Nobody has a record. Nobody
1: has a record. <laughs> Nobody has a record. Forget your record.
0: Forget who you beat, okay? Forget Nobody has a record. Nobody has a record. Into that octagon, indeed. Uh, Rashad, I really liked this card over the weekend. Uh, Timothy Johnson in that co-main event gets a first-round TKO on the ground against Meathead, Matt Mitrione. Uh It was unexpected. I mean, Johnson's a big dude who can bang, but Rashad, I, I think I echoed a lot of people on Twitter, that 42-year-old uh, Mitrione, a guy that I love. Great quote. Love is you know transition from the NFL to the fight game. He's, he's unorthodox. He's also... Uh, basically lost his last four, four, three of his last four. And the other one was when he kicked Karatanov in the, in the old kick, uh, the old dick there. So uh, uh, what do we do with this? Is it, is it time to say goodbye? I mean, that was a pretty bad loss. It was,
1: but you know what though? I wasn't convinced in that loss. And I say that, not that he didn't, not that his opponent didn't beat him, but I seen a headbutt. I seen a headbutt that, 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 that may have contributed to the fact that we've seen knee-head on the ground. Yeah, he was hurt. You know what I'm saying? And I think the headbutt is what really uh, caused him the problem. So it's just – it's it's hard to say if he should be done. I think with the fact that he hasn't been able to find um, the consistency with knowing when he's going to fight and everything like that, I think, you know, it, it has it has brought him to a point where – he's grown frustrated with competing, you know, and, and, and that's what I see when I watch Matt. I see a guy who's not outmatched, who's not in over his head on a technical skill-wise level, but just a guy who has lost a bit of that, that hunger to want to compete and make and, – and, and the fact that competing actually means something to him. You know, I felt as if when – once Matt has uh, – once he lost a Bader for the title shot – I think that that hurt him to the point where it kind of um made him lose focus in in wanting to be that guy
0: that's fair enough that's fair enough uh he got he got uh he got treated like a baby doll in that fight he got thrown around for sure um in that fight against uh, Bader tough yeah. loss here uh we saw Miles jury get a split decision over Georgia Carcanian big win for Sabahomasi. uh Curtis Melander just did not look good in this one but uh, Rashad, we're going to talk about your boy, Adam Boric. Bounce back. Split decision win over Mike Hamill in a fight. You look at that odds. Boric is a monster favorite. A Tougher fight than expected. But your guy gets the win. Any Anything you want to critique here. How happy were for you for this win for him?
1: I was happy for him. I mean, li- listen, you know, um, you're going to be in fights like that. And, and sometimes when you're the favorite, you're going to be in a fight, a, knack, a knockdown, drag-out fight where the guy don't care about the odds. It's the guy you're facing – Don't give a damn about those eyes, and he's there to make sure you remember him And and to the point where if you ever have to fight him again, you're like, no, I want to go the other way. And that's what that guy was doing uh, to to Adam. So when you go through a fight like that, you grow as a person, you grow as an athlete, and it's one of those ones like, whoo, I made it, but at the same time, it's one that pays off big dividends later on in your career. So he he got it done, but it, it was a tough one.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I did want to mention Valerie Lareda made a big splash on that undercard. She's that very young, uh, women's flyweight. Uh, this was a little bit of a heated battle against Tara Graf because Graf had mentioned leading in that, uh, Loretta's, you know, somewhat thirsty Instagram selection of pictures, which is uh, very, uh, very, wow, wow, very impressive indeed. Uh, might not be the best representation of female athletes. Well, Loretta took that personal, Rashad, and she finished that late in round two, basically at the buzzer. One hard punch knockdown, jumps on, get the finish, and then danced over the body and danced very suggestively three and oh for the att product who's obviously getting great training with a great team she mentioned working with george all. she you know we've seen her on on instagram training with joanna i mean she gets some great training there how great though can she be this early in her career in your eyes
1: she can be pretty dang good and i say that because she has a great coaching staff and she has great training partners you know when you training alongside joanna young jay Chack, Jorge and Masvidal and just being in the likes of everything uh, with everyone who's been successful at that gym, it just kind of rubs off on you. And, um, you know, judging upon the last performance, it, it looks as if like it, it's, it really is like she's, she finds that the, the, the timing the, the power like you don't see really you know a lot of women landing with that kind of power that that she lands with and um you know the, the confidence that she has too that confidence that actually acts as as a weapon as well too because when you're confident like that your opponent can feel that and then that 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 registers in his mind so whenever he's thinking about doing something he thinks about it a little bit longer or actually they think about it a little bit longer and that's when you can attack or have have the advantage on the striking so um, sky, sky's the limit for her, but that that dance at the end, oh man, she shook she shook the internet up with that boy. But everybody had, they didn't know how to feel about it. They didn't know how to, not to feel about her dropping it like it was hot like that. They didn't know how to hey, feel. My girlfriend. Yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, R- Rashad, um, let's let's
0: have an actual. This is a legitimate question here. You know, whatever her opponent thought, she doesn't represent females well. But Loretta said in the in during the fight week interviews. I post those pictures, not for all the men out there. I post those for me. And I don't want to sit here and act like there isn't something to that. Maybe she does post these beautiful pictures of her in a bikini to build her own confidence. But I think it's a bit disingenuous to say you're not doing some level of baiting by posting those. Even if it's just to bait your marketing ability and your name and your brand, Uh it's hook line and sinker because you're baiting dudes when you're putting out thirst like that so to say hey it's not a, it's not for the guys yeah, well who's it for come on now come on right
1: yeah, yeah of course of course it's for the guys of course i mean not for the guys but the guys well, she, don't the she don't mind it she she don't mind if the guys happen to google and and, and gaga over it you know they, she she likes that but um you know I, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that though i feel like i feel like um you know, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with a woman feeling pretty and, and wanting to be beautiful and to accentuate everything that she feels is beautiful with, with respect to, to, you know, to, to everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like respect, a healthy amount. Yeah, hey,
0: I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it's wrong, but come clean. Be like, yeah, I'm, right, right.
1: I'm
0: <laughs> out there, and and look, if there's some gross people out there and they want to enjoy it, that's that, you know, that's totally your choice. It's a it's a big gift to people, in, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, <laughs> blew his early. Oh, come on, come on, no, search.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, one day she's gonna be old, wrinkly. Yes. Not have that body no more, and she's going to wish that she would have showed it off a little bit more. So, hey, let her live.
0: My Rashad shirtless on Instagram every single day, okay? Because one day to be like me, dad bod to the gills. <laughs> All right, Actually, no, because we are uh, two weeks away from my Peloton getting here, Rashad. No, Ooh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. hey, right. that's
1: a game changer. That is a game changer. Every,
0: yes. Thank you, folks. Excellent. All you guys out there, chill out on the on the, the pictures of the hot chicks.
1: Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. Thank
0: you, thank you. All right, Bellator in the books, Rashad. They will come back, by the way, August 21st inside the Mohegan Bubble. It's Bellator 244, Ryan Bader defending the 205 title against Vadim Nemkov. We'll see Julia Bud back after losing her title to Cyborg against Jessica Mili. A couple of uh, castoffs on there, Roy Nelson, Eric Perez, etc. Love what Bellator is doing for us indeed. Rashad, the stories we care about, of course, is UFC 252. I wanted to hit you real quick, though. Hey, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones. Looks like the sources are telling us that that fight, originally scheduled for September 12th in L.A., on pay-per-view is, is probably moving to november 28th thanksgiving weekend uh i hope this is for good reasons rashad for hey let's market it better let's maybe figure out the best platform and not oh crap maybe we maybe we can't do this after all because you know what f andy foster and the state commission i want to see i'm i'm at the point rashad i'm over the uneasiness i'm ready to see them throw just if you're gonna do it do it right bang okay let me bang bro thank you
1: yeah i mean i I was just there um (laughs) like a week ago, like after I left Vegas, I went, I stopped in LA and, and went to see Mike for a couple of days. And, uh, he, he looks absolutely amazing. I'm talking about retro kid dynamite, like Ooh. not even, not even like kid dynamite. Remember he was kid dynamite. Yes. He's kid dynamite, like 19 year old Mike Tyson. And is the explosion
0: still there after all these-
1: uh, it, it's it's there in spades. Like he, he is he is looking like a a machine right now. And, um, like just to show how focused he is after he got done from hitting mitts and training in front of everybody, he took pictures and then he put on the shoes and then he went and ran at the park, you know, a local park and just, you know, was doing some sprints and things like that. But it's his, it's his mindset and his dedication. He said, you know, I I was only going to do this at first just to, you know, for some fun and some charity, but then I got a real fighter in front of me. You know, th- this is Roy Jones. This is not like anybody else. Who's not a boxer. This guy's a boxer. He can, he can box, you know, I'm going to, I'm in a fight, you know, so he's, he's uh he's training like it's a fight uh, with the delay. I feel as if like it was uh more or less just, just trying to get just trying to slow things down a little bit because when, when I was there, um, there's a process even just going in to see Tyson, you know, there, there's the commission. It's not even the commission. It's the uh, it's like the California, I, I guess it's the commission, but it's the California commission. They, they're stationed right outside of uh, where Tyson trains at and anybody who goes in, they have to, you know, they have to be verified. You have to get a temperature check, you have to get tested, wow. and then you're able to go in. So it, it's a whole, it's a whole you know, procedure and even to have them there, because in order to be able to, uh, for Mike to train, he had to have those people there. He had to have the commission there. And yet, and you had to pay like, I think it's, you know, a pretty good amount of money to, to even have them there. So, um, with, with everything that is going on, that has everything to do with the pandemic, I think that's to do with the delay, you know? And, um, hopefully hopefully it does happen i feel it i feel it will happen 100% just looking at mike tyson and just looking at his team and how focused they were you know it, it i i got some pictures i'll show you some pictures man I'd love,
0: to, I'd love to i'm i'm trying to get myself past the the fear for them and also, like, the whole business about, well, this will be an exhibition and they won't try for the knockout. I- I'm starting to believe that they will and that whatever Andy Foster said goes out the window when they touch gloves in there, Rashad. I like that they're using heavier gloves than normal, but I want to see them, no headgear. If they're going to fight, then fight, right? Let's not half ass Let's not, let's not, let's not uh, you know, softcore this. If right. You-, right. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I mean bang, man. Yeah, Latin, Please. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I, f- I feel exactly what you're saying. Like uh, no soft core here, because he, even even Mike was talking about it. like he he was he was like you know it, it's gonna be a fight, and um, you know I'm not going in there to try to knock him out, but you know uh, it, it's a fight, and and I think that you know with both of these guys you you have that um, you have that the the ego involved. Of course, these guys are both high level high level competitors, so you know none of them wants to get. Destroy. So, with that said, there's going to be uh, it's going to get it's going to get it's going to get uh, to be a pretty intense fight, I think. Yeah, it could be epic. At the end of the day,
0: uh, <laughs> in closing, uh, what is Mike doing to look that great? Is he like all vegan? What, what's going on right now?
1: You know, he he he's he is mostly all vegan. Um, uh, I think he does take a little bit of animal product here and there, but uh, for the most part, he, he's he's been doing all, all vegan um, and just and just really, uh, you know doing a lot of doing a lot of um he works with this machine and it's really hard to 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 describe it but it 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 shoots dc dc currents through your muscles right at the same time you're lifting weights and i did this i did a workout like that and you're not really using weights you're using like really light light weights i'm talking about maybe your own body weight sometimes maybe three five pounds at the most five pounds at the most and you're doing like just regular movements, like regular curl positions, or whatever the position is for that particular muscle, but with that added DC current going through, it completely rips and shreds you up as if like you were working out that muscle for like an hour. Is it shock therapy? That's like It's a it, it, volts it, or... it's like it's, it's, it's like that. It's like shock therapy. It's it's absolutely um, it's unbelievable. And you feel you feel so good after you get done like, uh, like a couple days. Cause you feel like, man, I feel tight, but I feel strong, you know? So that's what Mike Tyson has been doing. And the, 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 the benefits has just been like, wow, like I want to get this machine. I, I started to ask him like, yo, Mike, man, let me get, let me get this machine, man. Cause it is, <laughs> it, it's a game changer, man. I'm going to sing I'm going to sing you the picture BC of, uh, of Mike, and when you see how Mike's legs look right now, you can like, dang, this dude is ready. Look, I love me some Mike.
0: Uh, you know, I love Roy Jones too. I mean, as as a dude, as a commentator, as a fighter, but uh, I think I'm with every. I mean, you got to be cheering for Mike to just win this fight. For everything he's been through in his life, like to come back and care this much about this and get in this level of shape. You know, you want to see him kind of end a career on his own terms rather than on the terms of sitting there looking up at Kevin McBride, knowing that he's a, you know, just doesn't want to be here anymore. So uh, great for Mike. Uh, I don't know if I told you this story when I worked uh, the first major story I ever wrote for ESPN. uh, I was like a low level editor in there and Mike was going into the hall of fame in 2011. And I wrote this column that basically was like, yeah, the second half of Mike's career in life is, you know, a a shit show, but, I'm always going to remember the legend. And it's like, and it, you know, it was just this lengthy, just ode to Mike. And, uh, you know, it got well received. It was cool. And then like four or five months later, I randomly got an email from, uh, you know, Steve Lott, who was Mike's one of Mike's corner men back in his boxing yeah. days. And uh, he lives in Vegas, a big uh, hall of fame or memorabilia type guy uh, is trying to build a boxing hall of fame of sorts. And he's like, Mike was so enamored by your story and so touched that he wants to talk to you. He wants to thank you. And then I got a voicemail on my phone a couple of days later from Mike friggin Tyson, just like, like, I mean, like, uh, you know, when, when you're breaking into the business and that happens, you're like, I can't I'm not I can't I can't top this no, there's nothing that's ever going to top that Mike cold calls me Mike freaking Tyson and it's just like God bless you that was the best story I've ever read thank you for reminding me of you know, all the, you know whatever so shout out to Mike
1: That that's good because Mike Mike, Mike is a very uh, very sentimental very honest dude he's very upfront and honest with his emotions like I've never seen anybody you know that's one of the things I can say that I got from Mike is just that that ability to just be honest with yourself you know what i'm saying and that's a very hard thing to do but uh learning from mike man he's just extremely honest with himself and sometimes it, it can be uncomfortable if you're sitting there with, with one of his honest moms because you don't know you don't know how to react to it you know what i'm saying you don't know if you should you know give him a hug or what but he's he's it's coming
0: introspective. with it like people look at him as this you know barbarian and crazy man but he's like the most introspective in touch with who he is, who he was, what he was thinking, why he was wired that way. I mean, it's 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 an incredible gift to be able to to do that. But yeah, I can't get uncomfortable. All right, before this show ends, we gotta go deep here. It's UFC two fifty two this Saturday night pay-per-view from the Apex in Las Vegas. You mentioned that machine with the D C currents getting Mike's body fired up, DC and company getting us fired up this weekend.
1: You are the lamest, biggest pussy whoa, whoa. I have ever whoa. met in my entire this life. UK. So
0: take that back. Uh, Rashad, I don't think I'm going crazy by saying this. D.C. Stepe, A might be the most significant slash important fight in UFC history from the standpoint that there's really more at stake for the respective legacies in this one fight, yet also you have two legends coming in with cemented legacies already, yet to put the cherry on top of being able to exit and win the UFC heavyweight title, the title of greatest heavy UFC heavyweight champion of all time, the title of having won maybe, if it plays out that way, the best trilogy MMA's ever seen, and the battle of each other, you know to be great rivals and say, uh, you know I, this was our Ali Frazier and I was Ali, you know, like to be able to do that. There's a lot of crap at stake, which is why I take issue with any hardcore fan who's had that customer fatigue thing where they're like, yeah, you know, I don't think we need this fight. No, we do freaking need this fight, okay? And I love it, and I love that both guys are putting it on the table in the midst of the quarantine and saying, I need this fight for my legacy. Rashad, is it worthy of everything I just said it is?
1: It absolutely is, and and more or less so because – they're looking at it as such. You know, so many times that the, the media and us from the outside want to put a label on a fight and then the people themselves who are in it, just like, yeah, I don't, they don't want to do it. They don't want to put that label on it because they don't want that pressure. But these guys are wanting all of that smoke. They want all of that pressure. They want, they want everyone to know that th- what this fight means to them. And they're not shy about it because they're willing to lay it all on the line. And it's exciting because when you look at the both both of those two fights, you know they they're so they they're so uh, dominating for 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 both of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Just to, just the finish alone, and uh, to come up in your mind with somewhere in the middle how that domination from both of those fights are going to play out, it's been mind bending for me because there's a couple wrinkles that I see that if Stipe does. He can dominate DC and there's a couple of wrinkles that I see if DC does that he can dominate Stipe. So it's like, who's going to come with that formula? You know, yeah,
0: a lot to talk about X's and O's. Let me round out sort of the whole legacy thing. Um, I put DC in that conversation. We talk about this a lot. There's, there's the goat table, right? The people who have a case to be made that they're the greatest of all time. For my, me, my short list is Anderson Silva, GSP, John Jones, Mighty Mouse Johnson, Fedor Emelianenko. I did add DC to that conversation when he beat Stipe the first time. I thought becoming the two-division champ, defending both titles, becoming that first person to do that was the only way he could skirt the idea legacy-wise of having been John Jones' B-side, of never having beaten John, a, a great fighter, DC, a Hall of Famer. Well, can he get to to the ceiling? Can he get to the roof? Beating Stipe got him there. Some people are really fickle, Rashad. They think losing to Stipe after maybe has pulled him down from that. But straight up, if DC wins this, to me, he's in that conversation of the greatest fighters of all time. People, though, have a problem with the idea that that also means he's automatically the greatest heavyweight in UFC history, when he really didn't spend that long of a time there. Yeah, he's got two wins over Stipe. Yeah, he looked great beating Barnett and Bigfoot Silva back in the force Grand Prix days. Yeah, he destroyed Roy Nelson or whatever. Has he do- actually done enough at heavyweight for you to say that after Saturday, if Cormier wins, that he's the greatest heavyweight in UFC history?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say... Yes and no. And I would say yes because, you know, beating Stipe, who has, you know, been without a doubt the greatest heavyweight of all time, definitely gives him that nod. But then at the same time, I would say no because just because you beat one person doesn't mean MMA math and you'll beat everybody else. You, you get what I'm saying? So I, I think that there are a lot of fights that um, DC could have done at heavyweight to definitely make sure that uh, he submitted that that legacy of being the greatest heavyweight of all time. Um, so I, I do I do sit with some of those people who say who, who who sit with who say that you know he hasn't done enough in a heavyweight division. But at the same time, I do sit on the side with people who say he does because when you beat somebody like Stipe the way that he's been able to beat him the the first time and potentially maybe the second time, then that definitely uh, definitely calls for some greatness in conversation, regardless of how long you stayed in the division.
0: And uh, look, he also has the decision win over Frank Mir, which was dominant. Uh, I mentioned Roy Nelson beat the prime Bigfoot Silva. That was a great win against Josh Barnett to win the Grand Prix. But then it's just Stipe and Derek Lewis after that because of the 205 run. And uh, again, spoiler alert, we got Cheeto Vera later this week. And we got DC and DC goes in deep about these legacy conversations. Also about the whole idea, Rashad, you know, what would have happened? If he never did cut to 205, if he was never such a great friend to Kane, would he already be the greatest heavyweight right now? He says, um, kind of hard to say that when Kane's kicking my ass in the gym every week. So uh, you're going to want to hear all that. Uh, I want to hit you with one final legacy nod as this. They, they, uh, one of the viewers of Morning Combat, the show I do with Luke Thomas each week on Showtime, hit us up this week. They said, BC, you're always talking about that DC is a GOAT, or he's in that GOAT conversation. But what if Stipe beats him twice? Is he also in that? And Rashad, that's a loaded, controversial question. And I know I'm always the Stipe hater. I always pick against him. It's not that I don't appreciate him. He's a great human. He's a blue-collar guy. He's a damn paramedic. They're in the quarantine on the front lines. And, oh, by the way, he is, like, the most uh, redeemable fighter ever in terms of a guy who fights with character, heart, chin, comeback – power like he's everything you'd want your damn son to be but even with a great resume and two wins over dc i don't think he's in that goat table i don't know is that a bias against heavyweights is that a bias against stipe does he deserve to be in that conversation the damn goat conversation if he beats dc a second time
1: i think he definitely deserves to be in the goat conversation i mean there's no way around it how could he not be when you look at who he has beaten and, and um, you know, the odds against him, you know, a lot of the time, you know, people didn't give him a chance. And, and Stipe, um, he's not he, he, he's not a fan favorite like you would think that he would be. But like you said, like he has a lot of great things that that people should just be like, "Yo, I want to see this guy all the time. But th- he just he just doesn't do that for some people. And it's like a wonder why, because when you look at him, he's a, he's an amazing he's a great fighter. He's a great fighter. You know, and he has all those great, uh, you know, um, great, great qualities about him outside the octagon, like you stated. So it's a wonder why he doesn't get that respect like he should. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know the answer to that. I just know, you know, um, he is he is that guy. You know when, when you when you beat a Francis in the way he beat him, when you beat a, a JDS the way that you beat him, when when you beat a, a DC the way that you beat him, when you beat all these guys the way that he has been able to beat people, you got to understand that you know this guy is is uh, is something different.
0: Let's just put in perspective what he's done. We know he got stopped by Stefan Struve in 2012. It was a bad loss for him in England. Since then, Rashad, he's ten and two. Both losses, a decision loss to JDS and a knockout loss to Cormier, he's avenged by knockout. He has taken decisions over Roy Nelson and Frank Francis Ngannou and Gabe Gonzaga, and he's knocked out Fabio Maldonado, Mark Hunt, Andre Arlovsky, Fabricio Verdum, Alistair Overeem, Junior Dos Santos, and then Daniel Cormier. Uh, yeah, look, that's freaking crazy impressive. But again... The goat table is the, you know you know,
1: who, you know what it was you know why you know why you don't feel him on a GOAT level is because where has the headweight division been like it felt like after Kane you know had his after Kane and, and JDS had their trilogy and 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 they kind of were hurting and kind of were all in the back burner it seemed like the heavyweight division kind of kind of died out of the interest of people's minds for a long time and that was during You know Stipe's reign when Stipe was putting in a lot of work and really just trying to gain, trying to bring back the heavyweight weight class as far as an interest standpoint. So I think that his reign was um, was one when the heavyweight division was not at this highest point. But now there's a lot of noise being made about the heavyweight division. We're excited about it again, and now we can see, yeah, the baddest man in the world. Is definitely a heavyweight because before we weren't really thinking that. Before we weren't thinking the baddest man in the world is headweight, He's way, light
0: heavyweight. <laughs> not putting you true, true, and not putting him at the goat table doesn't mean that he sucks. I mean, I mean, you know, Jose Aldo's on the outside looking in on my list. You know, what I mean, people like that that are great, right. legend, but you can only have four, five, or six in that group. And you know, just to put a little knock against Stevie, let's be honest here. I think the greatest UFC heavyweight... Fedor's the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think the greatest UFC heavyweight I've ever seen at any given point was Cain Velasquez, and Stipe just never got a chance to fight him. It is what it is, right? And I also think Daniel is a better fighter and has showed us that throughout most of their two fights. Now, look, I'm glad we get a third fight to definitively answer this, but you're you're telling me, is he the greatest heavyweight when in his own era I thought two other guys were better? Now, look... You can say the same thing about my D.C. goat argument, especially if he loses on Saturday and you're like, was the 205 champion yet lost twice to John Jones? Was the heavyweight champion yet lost twice to Steve Pay? So it's always going to be a debate, and some people think it matters. It doesn't. Here's what does matter. They're going to touch gloves and fight on Saturday. A little recap. They fought the first time, of course, at uh, the summer, July of 2018 during International Fight Week. First round knockout for D.C. Stipe has in the past talked about, look, he just caught me in a bad moment. Uh, It was, uh, you know, he figured out my tendencies. He caught me with my hands down as we separated. And then you had that rematch last year, Rashad, where D.C. dominated the first round, all wrestling, and then looked good in round two and part of round three, but really started to slowly gas and not listen to his corner. And that's when Stipe used all those intangibles to walk him down, work him to the body, and stop him exhaustedly in round four. So you got to ask yourself a lot of things. I'm a DC guy. It just is what it is. I think he's the better fighter of the two. I think that's what separates them. So if you're telling me at 41 for the quote-unquote last fight of his career that DC is going to come in and fix that stamina hole and wrestle more and just be less cocky. And what I say by that is Rashad is he had his hands down against Stipe. He wasn't scared of what was coming back. He was more focused on how easy he felt he was landing. That's not a championship mindset. That's a little bit too. Co- Look, he'd been playing with house money. He fought and beat Derek Lewis with an injured back and everything was just going his way. Yeah, he had surgery, but you know, he talks about in this interview later this week, he cut corners in the rematch training camp. Things hurt. He shut down the camp for the whole day. Like, he was just cutting corners left and right, and it caught up to him. It doesn't mean that Stipe won't win the third fight. It doesn't mean that Stipe ain't great enough. I'm just telling you, Rashad, that if I'm confident enough to believe that Daniel Cormier is humbled by that second loss, and he's coming back and putting it all on the table, he's the better fighter and... He's either going to win by knockout or decision. That's, that's what it is. I, I mean, take me off my DC fanboy ledge. I'm sorry. I'm spitting truth here. I ain't spitting biased takes, all right? If you give Stipe an opening to beat you, he will, all right? He didn't tap against Alistair. I've been joking the whole time. <laughs> Tell me why Stipe's <laughs> going to win this.
1: Well, if Stipe's going to win this fight, he's going to have to address uh, this glaring hole that really got him in trouble for the last two fights. And DC does this, this thing that has been able to make him win, uh, get him to win any stand-up exchange. What, what he does is with his left hand, you know, he punches with his left hand, but then he kind of leaves it and reaches out and leaves it like a kickstand out there to really, to catch Stipe's right arm as he tries to answer back to whatever he just threw with his left hand. Once Stipe's right arm leaves uh, his holster that's when DC goes right behind the neck and hooks behind the necks. And then he yanks Stipe around and then starts to punch in that, that close uh, phone booth position. And that's where DC is really dominant. If he can continue to fight from that position without paying any taxes to his body, then he's going to have his way with Stipe like he did the first the first time and like he was the partly way through the second time, you know? What Stipe is going to have to do to answer that is every single time DC, uh, DC goes for that collar tie that he does when he's punching, he's going to have to drop a knee or drop a punch in there. So then that way DC's not getting comfortable reaching up there and he's paying a price every single time he puts his, his, his arm up there. And, and, and the shot's there because DC is a shorter fighter and it would take nothing. But as soon as DC grabs him with that, that collar tie, it just pop a knee, pop, a little short knee right there. And that'll end all of that at that point stipe can then strike with dc and then start to pick him apart utilizing the jab and and more importantly utilizing movement the second fight we've seen a lot of stipe just kind of stuck in his tracks a little bit you know looking at dc and and not really getting off to the angles the first fight he did a better job of of creating more angles and he was striking better that that first fight but he ended up getting caught in the the end of the, the end of the first round so if, if Stepe is paying attention and and getting to that body often and early, then I think it's a different fight out the gate.
0: Uh, I, I try to be critical of my own takes. You try to see the whole basis. So look, if you're sitting here going, BC, stop drinking the uh, the DC juice. Trying to stop trying to get you know on his will one day. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you'll say this. Uh, yeah, he he kind of slammed and dragged Stipe around in round one of the rematch. Rashad, is that sustainable in a five-round fight for a forty-one-year-old fighter?
1: Yeah, I think I think he can he can do that. But for the most part, I think that what what he needs to do is take that same grinding style of fight, and instead of working so hard to put him on the ground, put him against the cage. Let him work against his cage because that, that's another. That's another flat surface that can be utilized just like the ground, and you can land some uh, stand pound uh, from that position and a lot of pop shots and get the rinse and repeat cycle with the takedowns that DC likes to do and still um, find places to rest where you're not exhausting a lot of energy. I think that will be beneficial for him earlier out and then even later on as a fight goes on. But I think he's going to have to – he's going to have to put that pressure on Stipe to get him to uh, fill those muscles up with lactic acid so he loses a little bit of speed and power in those arms.
0: All right, let me bring up another critical point on on DC, and I'll credit Jack Slack, the British uh, MMA analyst who does great work on YouTube. He showed a video of what he calls a history of overreactions from DC each time he gets hit to the body. It's more, you don't realize it, but if you look through every single fight, when he takes a kick, of course, remember Anderson Silva's kick in round three at UFC 200, when he takes a kick or a punch, I mean, he shows you that he's hurt and he sort of, you know, covers up. Nobody likes it to the body. Everybody gets hurt to the body. It is what it is. Can Stipe build a strategy around that fact, the fact that he had success with the body? Now, look, he had success against a... A, a tired DC. It's DC's fault, but a tired DC in that rematch who was fading. Can't Stipe implement a body attack early in this fight that has the same results? And how would he do that?
1: I think he mainly needs to implement a body attack. Hunting, trying to punch DC in the head is is a very hard thing because he rolls really well. And when he's rolling, he's rolling. When you're trying to chase his head to punch him that's when he finds that position to go underneath and catch you with the underhook and then get you in his world where he's up close and boxing you, you know? And, 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 that's what, when, when you look when John Jones has success is when he started to chip at the body top body, and then he went up top to the head. So that that's the key to beating be in DC. You know, you gotta, you gotta hit that body. You gotta soften that body up. And then once you start softening that body up, then you can go to the head. You get no access to hit DC's head on a consistent basis with any substantial shots if you do not make him weak in the body first.
0: Yeah, and he, he does extend those hands that you mentioned and paw, which takes away the jab. He took away Stepe's jab for basically the two fights, but it does leave you open to the body if you can do that to him. Uh, we've seen the trend of calf kicks, you know, Valkanovsky against Holloway in the first fight, becoming such a major trend to wear it down. Uh, we don't see a ton of that in the heavyweight division. Do you expect to see that from either of these guys on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. I think DC, um, he found a lot of success in the first fight with the lower leg kicks. And, and, and the second fight as well, too, you know, it, it really made Stipe had to adjust. And it also made it easier for DC to land in that position, that close position, because every single time he kicked Stipe, Stipe was almost off balance. At that point, DC moved in closer, and he was able to punch from a range that he had the advantage versus Stipe. And that's what we've seen for the first couple rounds where, DC, uh, where uh, Stipe looked like he was kind of kind of stuck in mud a little bit in the second fight they, they that they had.
0: I just think, uh, you know, Steve has had a great career utilizing his boxing. He can be the hunter if he has to. He can set you up with feints against guys who are just slower and don't have the, the striking background. But I think D.C. just has the plus-level advantages in every single one of those standing categories. And we've seen that across the board play out, except for when he was exhausted and maybe being a little too cavalier with his hands down. You mentioned his advantage in the stand-up clinch. You mentioned his advantage on the ground. Uh, neither really have a great uh, submission jiu-jitsu game. Uh, is Stepe's only avenue to victory then, putting money away in the bank of the body and then trying to set him up for a big right hand? I mean, what other ways to victory paths are there for Stepe here that we haven't seen him utilize in the first two fights?
1: I think the body is, is what he needs to focus on. I mean, you, you look at, can he take D.C. down? Yeah, he can take him down. He took him down in, in the second fight. You know, he showed that he has the ability to take him down. But is he going to get D.C. down on a consistent basis? I don't know. Is he going to be able to, you know, put a ground game on D.C. That's going to make D.C., you know, uh, not be able to get back up and really put pressure on D.C.? I don't think so. Uh, but I think with the takedown, it does put a, a different strain on DC because now he has to get up. So I think if he does take DC down a bit, it can break his rhythm. But for the most part, the body shot is where where, where you beat DC at. You know, DC, um, once you start getting his body, it just makes everything easier. You know, his fatigue gets, you know, gets to be to the point where he's not, you know, he's not able to use his wrestling anymore, you know, and then, and then you can take him down. And then that's when you're able to land those shots to the head. But without a body, you get no access.
0: I'm going to be very interested to see what, what DC's body looks like, Rashad. Because, you know, when he would have to cut to 205, I mean, look, I just rewatched that five-round war with Gustafson. And it's like, you know, you've seen him go five with John Jones. His cardio is where it needs to be at, at that 205-pound frame. But what about the heavyweight frame? I mean, you know, younger DC went five hard rounds with Josh Barnett to win the strike force Grand Prix. Can this older version of D.C. do that? I mean, that's, that's a question, which leads me to, to – and then hold your answer because it leads me to this. Vegas typically knows things, okay? Vegas had Chris Weidman as the favorite against Akhmedov for the last couple of weeks, and I think a lot of us looking at it be like, man, Weidman's on the way out. If I can get plus money on Akhmedov, a younger guy from Russia who's on a streak, give me that. Well, they were right in the end. They knew it, and Vegas has had Stipe as a – as a ball hair level favorite as slight a favorite with both guys in the minus in terms of betting money. I'm telling you what I just told you. I think DC is the better fighter. And if, if all things are equal in the third fight to me, betting odds, DC's gotta be the favorite Vegas. Don't agree. What do they see that? I don't see Rashad. Is it the stamina? What the heck is it?
1: I think it's the stamina. I think, they're counting on the fact that Stipe is going to start that fight, start the fight off, just digging to the body earlier, you know? And, um, you know, there's, it's, it's really, it's really hard to be that, that confident against, against a guy like DC because he, he's such a gamer, you know, he's, he's such a gamer. And, and we've seen it time and time again. Um, so it's hard to really see what they're seeing to give him that much confidence to, to think that Stipe is going to, uh, to, 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 you know, to get the win, I only can think the body. Uh, I think I can also, you know, go to the fact that, you know, Stipe has better endurance, but I think DC's the fighter, the smarter fighter, and, and, and he has so many intangibles that are just better, you know. He has better striking. He has a better fight flow, you know, meaning the fact that he knows how to, like, he knows how to get you in his style, no matter what, and 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 he fights a way that you really can't get anybody to mimic because no one fights with that rhythm. So it makes getting training partners hard. So when you're in there with them, you know it, it's so many adjustments that you have to make on the fly.
0: And just so. to update, the odds have shifted just a bit. Our friends at William Hill have it uh, even now, minus one ten for both. A couple of the books now giving you plus money with Stipe, but uh, it's pretty much a pick em fight. It's even. Uh, I love it, Rashad. It is prediction time. I'm going to go on record first. I sort of teased the bag earlier. I think both will be more calculated than they were in the first two fights. I think we see a five-round chess match, uh, a, a heavy chess match, meaning they're going to throw power shots. They're going to go for it at times, but we're going to find out the stamina and the strategy and the adjustment level of both. And if it gets there... DC's going to win because he's the better fighter with more options. A unanimous decision victory for DC. I don't think he'll retire and put the gloves off and leave him there, but this will be that mountaintop moment. What is your prediction for Saturday?
1: I think it's DC, too. I think DC's going to get it. I think he's going to utilize his wrestling more. That was one of the glaring holes when I watch a fight over and over again. I'm like, this is where DC needs to take the fight. And, um, I got a feeling that's where he's going to take the fight. You know, he, he brought in Corey Anderson in camp, and Corey Anderson is, is one of those athletes who has heavy emphasis on takedown, always making sure he's always, you know, he strikes the best of them, but he's always in position to get a takedown. And having a guy like Corey Anderson in camp can remind you of that again. You know, not that Corey Anderson is better at wrestling than D.C., but when it comes to MMA, you know, Corey Anderson is right up there with, with the best to ever do it. So, um, there's a lot of things that I can see happen with cross pollination with them two working together, and it can pay off big dividends because if a DC gets steeped, steeped down early out and consistently can do that with stamina, then this fight is not going to go five rounds.
0: Wow, wow, unless Steep DC kicks DP in and the PP, and then we get another contest. <laughs> uh, he's also, by the way, got Kane in his corner, and that ain't that ain't bad as well. Uh, Rashad. I want to hit you on some spin-offs here quickly on this fight because um DC says it's his last. Spoiler alert on our interview this week. He's using words like, "quote, I'm pretty sure and I feel sure about everything. I'm at ease with everything. I feel calm, happy and complete." end quote. Rashad, you know what I know. And and Javier Mendez, DC's coach, came out on Ariel's show and said Daniel loves money, okay? Daniel loves the damn dollar, okay? You can boo him all you want. Boo
1: me! I'm getting money in championship belts! What's up?
0: Uh, Rashad, I have just told you that I believe this fight on Saturday is, you know, the most significant maybe. Not the biggest fight we've seen commercially, you know, Habib, Connor, you know, name them. We've seen commercially bigger fights. But importance, this is big. You know there's another fight... That's even freaking bigger, and it's called John Jones Daniel Cormier 3 for the heavyweight championship, for the championship of each other, for two-division title for John, for D.C. to fill that John jones size hole on his resume the only way a real man does, by beating him. Uh, Rashad, Uncle Dana is going to show up with Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby and probably $15 million at his front door if he wins on Saturday night, and they're going to be like, what you going to do? It's your move, brother. How you like me now? And I'm sorry, DC's going to say yes, and he should <laughs> say yes. And Rashad, there are a lot of fights on the docket of potential that you can make, a lot of them involving lightweights that could get me fired the freaking hell up. Nothing would get me more fired up than DC, John Jay, Thrizay for the heavyweight freaking title. It's soap opera. It's legacy. It's
1: everything I care about. Do we see that? I can see that I definitely can see that. Listen, the, the name of the game is you don't leave any money on the table. You don't leave any money on the table, especially when you're in a position like DC providing that he goes out and he wins his fight. And listen, it all depends to me how he gets it done. If he goes out there and he, you know, has makes his fight short work, then you know that DC is going to be like, "Oh yeah, I I I got myself, you know, to the position uh the, to the position I want to and more importantly I feel like I can still compete because remember he did this camp differently than he's done every other camp. He's, he's eliminated the distractions, So he may be like, Oh man, that's all I need to do is just eliminate the distractions. I got at least one more in me, you know? And especially when you're talking about some huge money and then uh, a, a chance for redemption against a guy like John Jones, who he can't stand. So I can definitely see that waking him up to go at least, one more round
0: and let's be honest here there's a somewhat of an inherent potential advantage for dc if they did that heavyweight where john's never fought at that weight so we don't know the you know would there be a a hiccup there i think dc's even though he's older i think he's better at that weight than he was at 205 and uh you know john's not coming in right now with his stock at the highest we've seen the sport catch up to him just a bit Mm -hmm. i mean do you think that fight on a commercial level could compete compete with the biggest Conor fights? Could they tell that story? I mean, there's there are very few stories in combat sports that the casual people will lick up. I kind of feel like that's one of them.
1: People will love it. People will love it. It will bring them. It, it, it will. It, it will be. It will be one of the biggest fights ever again, just because of the fact that where where is DC's story has taken them since they last fought. You know and um, where Johns has taken him since they last fought. Oh, and, and, yeah, yeah, and, and it, it, it's, it, it's perfect. It's perfect. I think they're at the perfect time to meet again, and especially John Jones moving up because there will be a lot of uncertainty that John Jones will be facing going up in heavyweight, even though he is a big guy. Could he make the weight class? Yes, but all these things, he doesn't know what it's like to be, you know, to, to, to fight at heavyweight. And not for nothing, I think John mentally has a problem with being the smaller guy. So it'd be interesting to see how he would be, even though he's- When you say smaller
0: guy. No more dick pills,
1: (laughs) right? Well, yeah, I mean, like, listen, you know, you don't, you don't, like, you don't put things into your body you know what I'm saying, for a performance level, if if you're if you're if you don't if you don't think about those things. You know what I'm saying? You want to be the bigger, stronger, faster guy. And I'm not trying to shoot any shots. I'm just trying to say it was real. You know what I'm saying? When, when, you, when, you, when you do that, you 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 do that because you're like, man, I want to be the bigger, stronger, faster guy out there. And if you can't do that, then you must be thinking, I'm not the biggest, faster, stronger guy out there. So going up in weight class, it would be it'd be tougher mentally, I think that's why he hasn't done it
0: yet. He would have the mental advantage having beat DC twice. That's why it's such a great fight. This is what I hope we hear.
1: And again, I know BC or steep
0: had. header. Look, if Stipe wins, dude, I will laud everything rightfully. So on him, but if DC wins, this is what we need to hear.
1: John Jones, get your s- together. I'm waiting for you. Okay. Cause we're waiting
0: for that as well. Wow, Rashad, this fight is, is wow. We're going to be on CBS Sports HQ all week previewing it. Check out the DC interview later this week on the podcast. You're not going to want to miss that quickly here, Rashad. That co-main event is going to give a showcase opportunity for young rising Bantamweight star Sugar Sean O'Malley against the fighter. I sat and talked with Marlon Vera. We know that this is a catapult opportunity for O'Malley. He wins this and looks great in a pay-per-view call, I mean, good God. Hold him back from the title shot. He's going to be there quick because he's a star. If you watch his freaking sugar show, reality show, he's got his dogs dyed their hair in different – I mean, he's a frick, he knows Rashad, for the new video game era of young people, you know, we're old guys. He gets it. He, get, he is dialed in. He's got a fan base. Is Marlon Vera – potential kryptonite or is he going to be Chris Lieben to Anderson Silva on Saturday night?
1: I think he can be potential kryptonite. And I say that because Cheeto does so many things. Well, that can, that can really mess up a sugar Sean show. I think one thing that sugar has the advantage over is that, you know, uh, Sean has good movement on the outside and normally he sets these traps when people are just kind of walk it in and he's able to skillfully, you know, Move out the way and land those nice shots and those straight long punches that he has. That has a lot of power too. But you're going against a guy in Chido Vera who comes forward with a great pace and pressure, and who can strike, but has been working on his wrestling ability. His 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 grappling ability is on another level, and I think that's something that can give Sean O'Malley some trouble. Sean is nasty on the ground too, but that's where I think that this this fight is is the most interesting, you know, and you have Cheeto who has that, who has that flair, who has that, that chip on his shoulder. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to just allow Sugar Sean to feel comfortable and just, you know, uh, floss on him without, you know, giving a little back. So I I, I look forward to this matchup because both of these guys are a a young, budding talent and sky's the limit for both of them.
0: And just to make that Chris Lieben comparison a little bit more full, uh, let's not forget, he was like 5-0 and in the UFC at that moment when he caught a debuting Anderson Silva. So, he, you know, he wasn't journeyman level. He was a tough-ass out. So is Vera, who won five in a row and then lost that decision to, to Song Yudong that a lot of people thought he won. And Rashad, I think UFC thought he won that by giving him this level of matchmaking. Uh, hit me quick on this heavyweight battle. Former champ Junior Dos Santos against a giant Zeri... Oh. God, did I just have a seizure? Fire <laughs> Xenio who's coming off that knockout loss to Francis Ngannou in just 20 seconds that halted his 10-0 run. Uh, this is interesting because if he ain't the guy we thought he was, JDS is, is still got enough in the tank to, to get a big win here. But people have been knocking out our guy, Junior, lately. Uh, I know he tells us he's the truth all the time. The truth is they, they may have to peel him off the canvas. I don't know where to go on this on a betting standpoint.
1: It's it's going to be an interesting matchup. And um, I think that JDS is in a lot better position than a lot of people think uh, coming in this fight. And I say that because, you know, he's training over at ATT and uh, Rosenstruck was doing his last couple camps over there. So he, he has a bit of a knowledge of, of Rosenstruck and, and what he's capable of doing and stuff like that. So he's not, so unfamiliar. I think he just has to watch out for the power aspect, of course. But when it comes to just the X's and O's and, and from a technical standpoint, there's a lot of areas where JDS can drown, can drown Rosenstruck just far as just far as depth of knowledge of what to do in certain positions. You know, he can get him on the ground and put Rosenstruck in a whole world of uncertainty that he does not know which way to go. And I think that would be the right way to go for a JDS who can bang with the best of them and has a crazy left hooks, but you can't, he's been taking a lot of shots and he has to use his well-rounded game. You know, he's got amazing kicks. He's got amazing, uh, groundwork. Get the guy to the ground, make the fight easy.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I did want to shout out quick in the prelim main event on ESPN. Lightweight Jim Miller is going to make more history when he takes on Vink from hell, Pichel. Uh Both guys fresh off wins over Roosevelt Roberts, but Jim Miller, Rashad, will break the tie he has for first place with Cowboy Cerrone for most appearances in UFC history at 36. If he wins, he moves into a, I believe, second place tie for most wins behind Cowboy. And if he gets a submission, he would tie Damian Maya for second place for most submissions. He's also within reach on a couple other categories. And as as far as submission attempts, he's in first place by like double digits above everybody else. Thirty-six year old, uh, we can't count this guy out because every time I think he's done he wins two or three in a row. Shout out to Jim Miller, man.
1: Absolutely. Ever since he got his whole Lyme disease situation taken care of, he's been really feeling it. It's almost like he's he's rolled back the clock like ten years, you know? He's been looking phenomenal.
0: I mean, it's so close in those records now between uh, you know, Cowboys for any couple other guys within reach that it's tough to say if Jim Miller sets all these records, he'll hold them long. But, you know, it's a guy you don't think of, right? Because he hasn't stayed at title contention for, you know, he sniffed it a few times, never stayed there. But um, I, I hope for his sake that, uh, you know, we, we keep saying his name for many years to come after he's hung it up because I love guys. I love grinders like that. I'm a grinder. I'm the Jim Miller of MMA media. Okay, so take that. Take that. <laughs> Okay, everyone else out there, Ariel Hawani, stop taking. You know, you you where's the sound bite? Where is it? Yeah, Conor McGregor, you're taking
1: everything I work okay, for. Okay, you know,
0: Luke Thomas is taking everything I work for. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm the grinder, right? I'm going to make it. Uh, Rashad Evans, thank you for grinding with me for ninety minutes plus on this podcast. We had a lot to look back on, a lot to look forward to. Reminder for everybody to check out uh, Cheeto Vera, Daniel Cormier this week on The State of Combat. Will not want to miss that. Any final thoughts, Rashad?
1: Uh, no final thoughts, man. I'm, I'm, I gave all my thoughts, man. We had a long show.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to go take a rest now. Okay,
1: all right. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I don't know. Two words, maybe. Yeah. We out. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrified. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig what's up? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+.